are rolling. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Hello, Eric. Hello, breadheads. Another episode of Think <laughs> Fresh. So happy to be here. I'm so happy to be here, Ty. What a journey we have been on today to get you set up to record. Who knew forgetting your laptop would be <laughs> such a headache? Dude, I've plugged this Yeti stereo microphone into three different devices in order to make this thing happen right now. It's incredible what will and will not accept the micro USB port on it. <laughs> yeah, dude, micro USB is truly an archaic technology, but doesn't matter because we are here, we're recording, and hopefully the breadheads are listening to some crispy, nice audio right now because there's a chance that they're not. Dude, I'm sure this is a <laughs> welcome break from the Yuletide tunes that are probably bleaching the breadheads ears this this time of year mm-hmm. oh my god yeah how do you feel about uh christmas music ty are you uh are you rocking around the christmas tree or are you uh sitting in the corner on mute you know i'm not a fan i there's only one christmas song that i like playing eric and it's an official cover of weedus's teenage dirtbag but they've <laughs> weedus has changed the lyrics to be a christmas dirtbag and it, it's oh. it's fairly well done. The opening line is like, the night was no well. <laughs> Just to give you a sense of where it goes. Wow. That's sick. I'm actually going to check that out after this. Um, contrary to what most people probably think of me, I love Christmas music, Ty. And I think it's fun to curate like actually good Christmas songs together. Mm-hmm. And to create a like unexpected playlist of like maybe some R and B Christmas tunes, maybe some soul mm-hmm. hits, some rock ballads. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Just get away from the whole bubble thing. I don't. I'm not really a fan of the bubbly guy. Yeah, I get. I get you, Eric. I actually have a similar holiday urge to curate a collection of Christmas tracks that you've never heard before. I think that's <laughs> honestly the biggest issue is that we need more. We need more diversity. I I don't want to, like, I would feel this way about any music that I had to hear as many times as I've had to hear All I Want for Christmas is You. Like, Mm -hmm. it's it's too much. (laughs) So I I actually have a similar playlist on my Spotify, which is songs that are like like one-offs by real musical groups making music that would be welcome Mm -hmm. at a Christmas party. Exactly. That and also like um, songs that are like Christmas adjacent or even just like winter adjacent. Mm -hmm. Like maybe they don't have the word Christmas anywhere in the lyrics, but songs that are mentioning of like ice or snow. Mm. You know what I mean? There's a song by the Cocteau Twins called Ice Blink Luck. That's on my (laughs) Christmas playlist. has nothing to do with the holidays, but... It just feels icy as a song. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you mean by that. So so you're telling me Let It Go makes the list. <laughs> it does not, but I, I like the attempt. What about Ice Ice um, Baby? Also, that would totally make the list. It's just not on there right now, but who knows? Maybe 2023, mm-hmm. I'll add that in as a late addition. Um, but did you know that Tyler Crater has a full Christmas album? I didn't know that, but I believe it immediately. There's, Of course he does. <laughs> I think it's stupid for artists to not create a Christmas album because it probably just makes so much money yeah, dude, for them. It's a free money hack if you're a musician. 
because you're going to get so much like royalties mm -hmm. forever afterwards. Yeah, dude. You get um every year it becomes relevant again. Mm -hmm. You don't even have to make new songs. It just magically becomes listenable again. What do you think the podcasting equivalent is to that? Cuz I would love an episode that is evergreen. Like all we talk about are rumors of rap albums coming that never do. Um we need we need a, <laughs> a, a an episode that only talks about something that is always relevant. Mhm. Mm yeah, I don't know. I mean, Subway is <laughs> my first guess. Like, when is Subway irrelevant? You know what I mean? It's it's permeated the culture in such a way that you can never not talk about it. Like, you can always bring it up, and people know exactly what you're talking about. Everyone has their own order. Everyone has, like, a Subway story. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. It's just, like, it's always a hit because people immediately jump in because they're like, oh, I know a lot about that place. Dude, yeah, it's crazy. Everyone is an expert on everything, but particularly Subway. If the culture is bread, then Subway is the sauce that soaks into it and just enters every pore. <laughs> exactly. Um, Ty, I have to tell you about what I'm sipping on right now. I'm sipping on this beautiful, extravagant um, espresso martini, courtesy of Kendall Jenner. Oh, she made it. For, she shook it for you herself, hey? Yeah, she was shaking it, and I said, "Give me a taste of that." <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, dude, this is um, this is an interesting one time because it is the it's an espresso martini with tequila, but it takes it a step further. Um, this one has olive oil in it, mm, a little a little fat to coat the mouth. That's a nice addition. Yeah, absolutely. However. Since waiting for you to join the call, um, I've been like kind of letting it sit, and now all of the olive oil has separated from the espresso martini. Oh, so now I'm like not sure if I should take a sip, but I don't know. It kind of looks a little crazy because it's like fully separated. You need a little cinnamon stick to stir that thing together, mm -hmm. or just use my fingers and tap in. <laughs> so the Iguanate has already innovated on the espresso martini concept by saying. Let's skip the vodka and swap it with 818 tequila, which mm -hmm. I think was a welcome change to the format. I like it, especially because that tequila in particular has some subtle vanilla notes and the tequila itself is a little bit, adds a bit more of a spunk to the cocktail. But now we've done that move mm -hmm. and then we've added an additional layer of olive oil, the first sauce to enter the mix, you could say. My question to you, oh, Eric, shit. is <laughs> when does this stop being an espresso martini? I think we're like one more shift away mm -hmm. to just calling this a new drink. You know what? I think you're exactly right about that. Um, because even the ratios here are like she freaked the ratios quite a bit. Mm. I'll be honest. Because like a traditional one, it's like equal parts coffee, um, coffee liqueur and vodka. So all is just like across the board, and that'll make a perfect martini every single time. This one, Ty, um, there's twice as much tequila as coffee liqueur, and just a little bit less espresso. Uh, so just like taking a sip, like I let Bay like espresso martini is Bay's favorite drink. I let her have a sip of this, and she was like making the stank face, oh, like I had given her an old fashioned or something. Aye, aye, aye. Perfect for Papa, though. <laughs> <laughs> Papa needs a hard drink. It's actually a pretty smart business decision because if you want to sell twice as much tequila, just make the recipe say two shots of tequila instead of one shot of tequila. Brilliant move. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's perfect. 
I mean, I'm sure I could like, I don't know, put my own spin on this. Like, for example, I just didn't include the simple syrup. I think simple syrup is bullshit. What? <laughs> like, you don't you don't ever need that. You know what I mean? When would you possibly need simple syrup, Ty? I use simple syrup all the time, man. It's the simplest thing. It's it's beautiful in its simplicity. <laughs> like the fact that you just need water and sugar to make a fluid that uh like is so unique. It's already a fluid. <laughs> it's just, Fair enough. Water's already the fluid. <laughs> I just feel like it. I don't know. I, th- I think it adds. I think it. It's such a, a a staple. You know, it can make anything taste good. You don't like something? A shot of simple syrup, and it's good again. Hmm. Okay. This is a. Here's a good comparison. It's kind of like adding salt and pepper to your footlong, because like, yeah, salt and pepper is amazing, and on its own, it tastes perfect. Right? It's a great ingredient. Can be used in many versatile different ways, but at Subway, the bread. Already is peppery, you know. I mean, you get the herbs and cheese, mm-hmm. and all the meats are so salty that you never need to add more salt. If anything, it'll make you like pucker up like a like a dry little SpongeBob at the end of the footlong. I see. So you think that the simple syrup is adding unnecessary sweetness to an already sweet fluid experience? I think so because the coffee liqueur is sweet. Um, and I don't really need to go much further than that, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't need a sugary drink. I like how the I can taste the tequila, the coffee, um, even notes of olive oil. That that fair. That's a fair point. I feel like you're right about the Kalu ha 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 being quite sweet. <laughs> that's what I said. Um, <laughs> it's really had a, a a nice brand glow up recently. Hey, like I remember taking a Kalua bottle off the shelf recently. And admiring the branding and thinking, was it always like this? This is nice. Was it always nice? I don't remember. I don't think so. I think they definitely glue up a little bit. Um, yeah, they probably just made their typeface a little bolder, mm-hmm. more sans serify. But yeah, it's it's. I, I have a bottle of it that I only use for espresso martinis and tiramisu. Mm, nice, as you should. Well, I was drinking a really weird beverage this weekend, Eric. Um uh the beverage in question that fueled my holiday party activation is known as the white russian are you familiar oh yes dude (laughs) i only know about the white russian because of the weekend (laughs) (laughs) does he have some lyrics that uh reference it yeah he he mentioned um sipping on a white russian when the sun hits die almost as like a pseudo coffee Mm. well that's kind of what it tastes like like a white Russian is the kind of drink I would make in high school because it's mostly milk and only children drink milk. So if I was a child and I wanted to like <laughs> dabble in alcohol from dad's liquor cabinet, it had to be a white Russian. I wasn't mm-hmm. drinking anything. That's the only way I could handle vodka. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I've had it once before, like professionally made. <laughs> and I don't think I ever needed to have it again. Like it's honestly not my favorite. It's just like too much milk, and I'm 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 pro milk tie, but not with vodka. I think it should just be with a yeah. nice cookie dunk, and that's it. Dude, I was a hater <laughs> too, but now I'm a believer in the White Russians. <laughs> I'm a White Russian sympathizer. So you're clearly, <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say you've clearly picked a side <laughs> for sure. So, and here's the move: use heavy cream, and you only put throw like a shot of it in, like match the vodka with it. So then you just got vodka, Kahlua, and heavy cream. It tastes like a good shaft. It tastes like it tastes like a like more chuggable espresso martini. 
Mm. Nothing like a good shaft. Yeah, we're all craving a good <laughs> shaft. So that's why I'm a yeah, I'm a white Russian sympathizer now, Eric. And I would recommend it for you to to fuel the holiday activations as a welcome change from the rum and eggnog. Oh, I don't I don't really care too much for rum and eggnog. Um, I think I'm more of a traditional just cocktail drinker in general. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Eggnog, like I don't wait, know, man. coming I'm from the guy who just put olive really... oil in his martini. Well, okay. In that case, it's a riff on a classic drink. I, I was just looking to spice it up this year because I'm out of Grey Goose and I have this unopened bottle of 818. Mm-hmm. So I, I figured it was time to crack that thing. It's been teasing me for the longest time. Actually, the more I think about it, the more we're just actually bringing the espresso martini. We're pulling it back to its roots a little bit more. The The martini mm-hmm. craves olives and this is the closest it's going to get, but... Still olives. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for post-rationalizing that for me. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. Um, <laughs> yeah, dude. I, I saw this video the other day where it was like how rich people order drinks versus like really rich people. Ah, shit. And then the rich guy was like... I'm probably ordering them wrong. Like, I, I just know I'm going to be ordering them <laughs> wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the rich guy's like, yeah, let me get a martini, but make sure it's the top shelf stuff. Oh, yeah. And also, can you throw in some blue cheese olives? And the guy's like, yeah, we don't have that shit. <laughs> um, and the really rich guy's like, yo, just make it how you want. I, I trust you. Mm. I was like, damn, that's some that's some deep, deep thinking right there. Right. So giving the this, the martini artist free reign of the counter. <laughs> exactly. I think as I've matured, Ty, I've realized, like, I have nothing to complain about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if it's not great, I'll just take the L like a man and not, never complain. Right. Never speak of it again. <laughs> exactly. Dude, is it is it a bit femboy to complain? Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I think so. One of us has to be grounded mm-hmm. in the relationship. You know what I mean? One of us has to be the voice of reason. Yeah. Is that like this podcast? I, I think the challenge is that it falls into like the when you think about emotions as a spectrum between like a little bit of emotion and a lot of emotion there's something about being reserved on both the happy and sad side of the spectrum to just withhold you know Mm -hmm. the masculine urge to swallow it and suppress it Mm -hmm. yeah like that just compress everything you Mm -hmm. know what i mean like i (laughs) I, I'm in an active war with my own emotions to uh, suppress them, to ignore them, to not give them an opportunity to uh, manifest mm-hmm. in any way. And I'm doing—I think I'm doing an okay job of it. Mm-hmm. I think as a frequent subway patron, you have to practice this skill like almost every time you go in. Mm-hmm. You have to practice restraint. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? In multiple ways, dude. If you One if is, you, you show can't go your... overboard with the ingredients. What? If you show your sandwich artist fear, they will eat you. <laughs> <laughs> They'll climb over that glass like a wicked spider. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to show restraint, tie when you add sauces. You know what I mean? Too much, and you step over that thin line, and you're ruining your sub, you know? But also, when the sandwich artist inevitably fucks it up, you can't assault them. <laughs> you're going to end up working with them, <laughs> mm-hmm. as we've learned from previous episodes. 
Mm-hmm. It's a it's a true collaboration. I'm curious if the sauce is more of an art or a science in this case, where the like the sauce because of its the sauce is emotion manifesting via food. Like <laughs> the the flavors are only reminiscent of like the strongest emotions, but the pr- application of the merig is to me more of a science. I'm thinking about the exact ratios I'm looking for and pairings. Mm-hmm. The age old question, Ty, whether sandwich artists are truly artists mm-hmm. or simply, or simply chemists, you know, mm-hmm. um, personally, I think they fuck. I don't know. I think they lean towards art simply because that's the only way to justify their terrible application. Most of the time, you know what I mean? If they were scientists, they would be disbarred. Yeah, that's a good point. I think so too, and that would explain also the um, just like hectic nature of their their workstation. Um, the whole thing just feels like like a very artful, chaotic enterprise happening back mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm, exactly, the cutting room floor, Ty. Yeah, you don't want to you don't want to look under the counter. No, you don't. <laughs> you don't want to see like for every beautiful sandwich they created there was a lot of mess behind that and there was a lot of a lot of disaster oh yeah i wanted to um, talk to you eric about pick up a conversation you and i were having before we hopped on mike which is around the ideal kitchen design i was explaining to you oh yeah that the ideal kitchen design triangulates your your fridge your oven and your sink to optimize for the movement between those three spaces and when we take that logic to Mm -hmm. subway we realize there's uh, a completely different school of thought around the organization of their backup house. <laughs> That's right, Ty. The entire kitchen is linear with a few exceptions, right? The toaster is a 180 move. Notably, not directly behind the bread station. Mm-hmm. Like you would expect like... As soon as you like decide the bread, you just do a full 180, put it in the oven to toast it, right? Mm-hmm. With your cheese in it and whatever. But you kind of have to like skip to the end, throw it in the toaster, and then run back to back to the beginning where you can put on the veggies. Yeah. So I feel like the three major moments, like the three areas to triangulate is, is it the bread bin, <laughs> the toaster, and the, I guess, the line? <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't know why calling it the line is so funny. Is I feel like it's only funny to me and you. Though. I think so too. It feels so official. Um, I remember watching the documentary about the guy that founded McDonald's. Was his name Ronald, or like where did they come up with Ron? A real crook. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was a Ron guy. I don't know. Ron. Ron time. Ron place. Was his last name even McDonald? No, it wasn't. What the hell? Raymond Albert Croc. Huh. I obviously... What a, what a croc of shit. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, wait. Dick and Mac... Oh, right. I remember... Okay. It's all coming back to me. I'll spoil for you the documentary. Dick and Mac McDonald opened their family-owned burger business, and then Raymond Albert Croc nationalized it, and he was portrayed as a bit of a an evil human for his efforts to undermine this family business. But the, the thing that I am reminding myself of right now, Eric is 
when they first started to franchise the McDonald's, they needed a, a format in which to um, set up the kitchens to optimize for efficiency. They wanted to be fast. They want to be flipping burgies oh, yeah. real quick. So in the, in the film, at least, they went into an open field and then they set up fake stations and then they had people run between the stations and time it. And then whenever they saw a flaw or an opportunity to optimize, they'd move the fake stations around. So they just pretended to make burgers and fries all day until they found the ideal format for creation, which I think is actually mm-hmm. kind of brilliant to prototype. But I don't, I don't get the vibe that Subway ever prototyped their, their, their back of house and before they made 44,000 versions of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it works surprisingly well, Ty, because think about it. As a user, if this is like user-centric design, then it's perfect because the customer just has to move from right to left mm-hmm. and they never have to like, I don't know, navigate anything. Like at McDonald's, for example, you had to like stand in front of this like cashier looking thing mm-hmm. or maybe it's like one of those robots that are replacing people's jobs. You just like tap on the burger you want. Mm-hmm. You have to go there and then you got to like find where they're like, spawning all the food <laughs> oh yeah dude and you got to look at your ticket number and be like uh number 69 uh is it there yet and then you got to wait for your number and then blah blah blah. whereas like subway it just goes from right to left you know what i mean this the sub makes its way down the station a choo choo mm-hmm. ends up at the cashier the cashier is the terminus station and then that's it you get off the train and you're you're going to uh uh What's it called? Heartburn City. <laughs> yeah, dude, you're going to the toilet. <laughs> Next stop, the bathroom. Uh, exactly. Wow. I never really thought about it, but whether it was intentional or not, that is an incredible user experience to have your eyes on your food from inception to first bite. Like your eyes never leave mm-hmm. your sandwich. There's no funny business business happening. There's no mistakes. It's it's pretty cool, actually. It's like mm-hmm. watching a loading bar, you know? It's like loading 50%, mm-hmm. 60%. Mm-hmm. Well, no, it's exactly it. And um, if the artist is truly an artist and you're the creative director, you're also kind of like QAing it the entire time. Mm-hmm. Like as they put on lettuce, you're like, yo, come on, son, like give me another scoop of that. Like stop playing with me. And then they do it. And then there you go. Your sandwich is exactly how you want it. Yeah. In that regard, the feedback loop is instantaneous. Like I get why so many developers go to Subway. Because they they yeah. like the feeling of commit they're committing code to their sandwich every every word they say. One hundred percent. Ah, that's so weird. And then sometimes you got to debug it too. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, there could be a bug in it. Exactly. Um, yeah, should we talk about that new story? Yeah, dude, hit me with Literally that. a bug. What's going on here? So I found this on uh, on Reddit um, in Calgary, Thai. There was a bug found in a sandwich okay this doesn't sound very crazy because i'm sure this probably happens fairly often however the bug was shaped exactly like a strand of shreddis and almost went undetected until it crawled out of the guy's sandwich and like made a did the dash (laughs) um across the bun and um i can only imagine this guy's reaction because Dude, that would scare the shit out of me. If something came crawling out of my sandwich that was like the size of a pickle. <laughs> yeah, freaky as hell. Especially when it's clearly like camouflaged, which means... Na- Do you think that if it's camouflaged, that means natural selection has allowed that bug to thrive in the sandwich? 
Like bugs that look less like the sandwich mm. have been squashed, but they're getting smarter. Totally. Um, there could have been a type of chameleon effect happening as well, where it's like when the bug gets scared, it just shifts into its environment. Um, it didn't happen with the bun, but it was doing it with the lettuce. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like a greenish gray. <laughs> oh, dude. Okay. So perfect. Obviously disgusting. No one wants to eat a bug for lunch. Um, but Subway missed an opportunity to own this moment. Nothing to me says fresher vegetables than insects wanting to live in it. Oh, you know, that's like straight yeah. from the yeah. garden kind of shit, you know? He literally dragged his foot along through the garden. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you do that, Ty, sometimes you pick up un- unintentional inhabitants. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude. A couple worms, a couple girlfriends. It, you, never, you never know what you're going to get. But exactly. I think Subway could have capitalized on this. They could have played into that and made this a special moment for the brand. Like truly eating fresh. It's still alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. But this is like a risky thing to lean into, though, because if you start saying like, oh, yeah, bugs love our vegetables, they're they're in there. You know, what I mean, they're up in that shit. They're in that ass. Uh, eventually, you know, people are going to stop going because they don't want to eat bugs. Like we're not in we're not in Kenya where we're eating crickets, you know, as a delicacy. For sure. This is not a, an intentional ad. You know what I mean? So could be a little risky. Okay. Well, what if Subway doubled down on it and they said, you shouldn't have to share your food with the bugs. We understand that. The bug didn't pay for the sandwich. So why is it eating it? That's your sandwich. <laughs> so here's what we're going to do. You find a bug in your garden fresh green goddess. We will, one, get you a new sandwich that the bug can eat the first one. And two, we'll give you a little jar so you can bring your bug friend home. <laughs> And then you can kind of collect them, you know, like NFTs. It'll be uh, something for your patrons to celebrate and share with their friends. Look at this cool one I found. Mine's looks like a banana pepper. Mine's a black olive. <laughs> you can imagine the schoolyard <laughs> banter that can form from collecting these little critters. That's probably how they invented Pokemon Damn. in Japan. It was like, well, this is, I don't even know. <laughs> Maybe not. Yeah, maybe. Or it was like the predatory fishing industry. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, that's interesting, Ty. I like how... I think we definitely Subway missed a good PR moment. I don't know if it's leaning into the whole bug thing, the healthy, um, organic nature of the or the lettuce, whether that's even true. Um, or if it was something more creative um, where they could have maybe like, I don't know, lined the pockets of this guy to be like... Yo, like, sorry about that. Here's like a thousand dollars. That would even open up a even worse uh, bug hole, if you will. Just but I don't know, Ty. There, there could have been something here that Subway could have capitalized on, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. So here we are, left fearful, fearful for. I'm fearful every bite now, Eric. <laughs> That's true. I'm actually gonna have to inspect my foot lung uh, a little bit closer now. Mm-hmm. Um, upon receiving it, you know what I mean. So. Like, what if a what if a, like a black widow was in there? What if I ate a black widow? I'm like, oh, I thought it was a black olive. This is this is terrible. That is terrible. Um, words of advice for the breadheads: check check under the bun mm-hmm. and chew your food properly. Because I think if you take a bite of a black widow, you probably have 
like a second to eliminate that thing before it uh, bites you. But if you're still consuming the venom, would that would that kill you? <laughs> I don't know. I don't really know what would happen. I don't. I don't want to test it. I'm sure someone's tried eating one. R.I.P. Mm-hmm. So yeah, David Blaine for sure has eaten like a handful of them. Yeah. So I think the safest strategy here is don't chew your food. Take small bites and just swallow immediately. It will. <laughs> I think it will reduce the likelihood of a, a bug biting the inside of your mouth. It hits the stomach acid right away. And the smaller bites ensure that you will uncover a bug potentially before it even enters the mouth to begin with. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Um, <laughs> breadheads. That's some sound advice to <laughs> start your week with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, anything else you want to get over get over on your chest right now? No. Or are we are we good to wrap right here? This is this has been a very informative episode. Yeah, dude, wrap this and sell it like a foot long. <laughs> Let's wrap this, wrap it and bag it. Mm-hmm. All right, really? King. Well, yeah, I'm done bugging, so let's get out of here. Let's do it. All right, breadheads. Ciao. Ciao.